All righty. Well, we're taking a little bit of a break from First uh, Corinthians, just Lord on just for this week, and so we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We do have communion today, and so I feel like the last song we sang, this message and communion, I feel like should uh, fit together really well. In fact, I'll say I think we should do that song again at the end for communion. So yeah. All right. So I want to start out by just given kind of the idea of the message is Jesus, the bread of life. This is a really long passage. We're going to cover, Lord willing, 69 verses today. And if you know, I usually can get through three. So uh, we'll see. You might see a miracle. We're going to read about a miracle, but you might actually see another miracle here today. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. But I want to start with one of a couple of the verses that are in this passage and just See what you think about this. Christ says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Does that seem a little like, hmm, little what? vampire -y. Okay, that's one word. You said it, not me. Cannibalism. Without being disrespectful, it Sounds very confusing, doesn't it? It sounds like, what? Uh, why would Jesus say this? This sounds so bizarre. I hope that as we go through the passage, it will make a little bit of sense. Um, and, and that it will be something that will actually minister to you as we look at it. So what we're going to kind of cover is like, what is the significance of the bread? What's the significance of eating the bread? And what does all of this mean for us? So again, I'm going to go through, I'm going to read quite a few different verses, make a few comments, and then we'll take a couple little pit stops in between to talk. But I'm going to read through big sections of scripture. We're going to be in John 6, if you want to follow along in your Bible or on your phone, but it'll also be up on the screen if you want to do that. So John 6, 1 through 27 says, after these three things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. In other words, they saw the miracles, so they started following Jesus. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. We talked a little bit about Passover last week, if you remember. Um, the Jews celebrated this every single year after coming out of, after God delivering them out of Egypt. It signified they painted over the door with the blood of the lamb, and the angel of death passed over those houses that were covered by the blood. And then before they exited, they ate the lamb and the unleavened bread as they went out. And so they did that every year to memorialize God's deliverance for them. Do you remember? Does that ring a bell? So that's kind of the context of what was happening here. You have this big crowd following Christ because he's doing miracles and healing people. And then they end up, uh, it's around the time of the Passover. So you might just see a little bit of foreshadowing here on the idea of eating and drinking. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him for he himself knew what he would do. So he's kind of putting Philip to the test. He's like, oh my goodness. How are we going to be able to feed all of these people? Jesus knew the answer, but he was kind of seeing what Philip would say. 
And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread was not sufficient for them. A denarii is a day's wages. So in other words, 200 days of wages, whatever that would be, three quarter of a year, whatever mathematicians can figure it out. Worth of wages isn't even enough to feed all these people. That even every one of them would have a little. So even if you had that much money, everyone would just have a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? So they got this little kid with his sack lunch, comes over, and they're like, we got this, which almost seems ridiculous, doesn't it? To, to even mention that, but he mentions it. And Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number, about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples, to those sitting down, likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So in other words, he went and handed, Jesus went and handed it to the 12, and then the 12 went and handed it to all these different people. And then they had as much fish as they wanted so that they were filled. Then he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. So we see a miracle here. Jesus said, multiply these loaves and fish for the people. So the people had come because they saw the miracles of Jesus healing people. And then they stuck around because they wanted more miracles. And in the midst of these miracles, Jesus fed them. He did a miracle to feed them. So Jesus is doing miracles to provide for these people. It says, then those men which had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. So, you see this scene, and they're like, he's here, the prophet. And I don't think they really completely understand who Christ was, but they're seeing a guy who can do these miracles. And this, many of them had heard about the Messiah. And so they're basically saying, this is the guy we want. We're going to force him to be king. And Christ is knowing that this is not the time. And your guys' motives aren't completely correct. So he withdrew away. And then the disciples went to go find him afterwards. And so they got into the boat, went over to the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed back about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at land where they were going. So you, you're following this whole story. I know there's a lot here. And so... I'm going to take, take a pause and a couple like what I might call rabbit trails. I don't want to spend a bunch of time on this. But one of the first things I want to see is really clear from the context that God is wanting us to see that Jesus is doing miracles and he is a person who can do miracles and he can do the supernatural. I mean, he makes that clear that they were having their diseases healed. They were getting food from a couple of a sack lunch. And he's walking on water. So the context here is letting us know Jesus Christ is beyond natural. 
there's something supernatural about Christ. They thought, I don't think they thought quite as much as they should have, but they were recognizing that people were recognizing that there was something to him. This is not the main message for today, but if we stop there with the boy and the loaves, I do think this is a good message to just mention. And that is many of us think we don't have much to offer. And so we kind of think like, what is this? What, what could I do with this? And I will say, in the hands of a God who does miraculous things, he can take our little sack lunches or our little offerings and turn them into something dynamic and powerful and do something supernatural through the little bit that we bring to God and offer him. And a lot of us wish we had different personalities. We wish we had different backgrounds. We wish we had different health. We wish we had different uh, uh, bank accounts. I'm looking for a different word, but we want we different financial situation. That's what I was looking for. But if we take what we have and we offer ourselves, God can do something great through what you have to offer. And you may not think that what you have to offer is much, but God designed you to be you and gave you what you have and your personality is something that he can use. With even, I heard it put this way the other day, and I think I was telling you this. So, and I was like, I like that. The guy was saying, uh, I'm a lemon, and I think God made me a lemon so that I could, so other lemons could relate, and I could bring God to other lemons. I'm like, I get it. I feel like a lemon too. Like, so sometimes we wish we were something else or in a different situation. And I just want to, again, this is a side message. This isn't a main message, but if you need to hear that today, that bring him what you have. Don't keep wishing you had more, wishing you had a different gift or a different talent or a different personality or a different situation. Bring what you have right now to him, and he can, when that's in his hands, and that's offered up to him, and he's, that boy had to go, okay, I'll give it over. It's not mine anymore. I'm at risk of losing even my sack lunch. God then used that to do a miracle. So that's a side message, but I think it's a powerful message for us to remember. So again, through the context, you can see clearly here, Jesus is doing miraculous things. It says, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was another, no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered, that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats come from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. And the people, therefore, when they saw that Jesus was not there nor the disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So in other words, they're going, they're looking, they're like, he's not here. He's not here. So if I put this in my own terms, I'm like, they're looking like crazy for Jesus. They're going, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And they find him. And he's like, you didn't come here just because you saw some miracles. You came here because you got free food. Because I provided you with a meal. That's what you wanted. You wanted food. And then he tells them, do not labor for the food which perishes, 
but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. And so what he's saying is like, yes, I gave you food, but there's something even more important than food. And I want to just say for us, I think this is a good lesson because many times we're running to Jesus because we just want him to fix our mess. We want him to give us something we need right now. And I think, I don't think Jesus is mad at these people for that. But he's saying, just acknowledge where you're at. That's what you're wanting. You're not wanting the eternal thing. You're wanting the temporal, physical thing. And so there's a lesson in, in that for us, I think, that it's okay to go to Jesus for those things. But the more important and bigger thing is the spiritual, the eternal, the everlasting. And so he wants them to know that he's just he's more than a miracle worker. He's more than a guy who's handing out free lunches. He's more than a guy who's healing people. He wants them to know there's more and that it's actually everlasting life. Now, let me just ask, if you just kind of think about your own relationship with God, with Christ, and you're kind of honest with yourself, how often do we stop once we get that physical need met or get to a comfortable place or get out of the bind we're in or the relationship calms down and we're kind of like, oh, and I say, praise God that you got out of the bind. Praise God that he provided. Praise God. But don't let that be where things stop. We need to go beyond that into the eternal, into the everlasting. So kind of, again, we, we talk about, like, we're going to see what is the significance for here so far in, in our narrative in this, this passage. The bread was for the crowd, and it two things came from God. But they only gave temporary and physical life. That's what they were after. The temporary, the physical. Right? That's what they were after. That's what he's provided to them so far. That's all that's been talked about to this point. It's a very clear picture. God provided the physical, temporal for them. You with me? Uh, so we're going to continue on. And we, we just read this verse, but I added it in here again. Do not labor for the food which perishes. I'm going to underline that because I feel like that's one of those things. What could we maybe put in there besides the word food? What are some other things? What'd you say? Body, flesh, health, money, stuff, material things. Circumstances perish, right? They change. Relationships. And a lot of us are, that's what we're working for. That's what we're after. And he says, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. That which gives everlasting life is what we're supposed to be focusing our attention on. Which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father set his seal on him. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may do the works of God? This is important because a lot of times we talk about good works or good works. And here's what, he, here's what he answers works are. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. 
A lot of the times we're focused on being nice to our neighbor or giving some money or doing this. We need to start with, am I believing, am I putting my trust in Jesus Christ? Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform them that we may see it and believe in you? Is this a little crazy? He's like, okay, I just did a bunch of miracles. I just made a whole lunch for 5,000 people, 5,000 probably plus, because I was just counting the men. And you're going to say, what? <laughs> what? Now you're asking me to do something else that you believe? That's a good question for us, isn't it? Do we kind of maybe come across that? Like, what else will you do? If, if you do this, then I'll really trust you. He's done enough for us to already trust him. He doesn't need to do something else to be worthy of our trust. We should already trust what he's done. Our father, so he's, they basically say, here's what you did for our fathers. Our fathers ate man in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. In other words, Moses gave some bread, but not the true bread from heaven. He gave this temple bread, and that was actually delivered through God. But the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. So the bread of God, now we're talking, we were talking physical bread, right? Now we're talking about something else, the bread of God. And who here is the bread of God if you read the rest of that verse? Yeah, he who comes down from heaven to give life to the world. So we see that Jesus is the real bread. And then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. So we saw the bread from the crowd came from God gave temporary physical life. The manna came from God, gave temporary physical life again. And it's also a shadow of what's to come. It's a shadow of Jesus Christ. That manna is a picture of Jesus Christ. Continuing on, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Now all of a sudden we see we're talking about a different bread. This whole passage has a lot about bread in it, doesn't it? A lot about bread. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing. That of all he has given me, I should do nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son of God and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So what Christ is saying here, I came to do God's will, and part of me doing God's will is bringing all those into eternal life that will believe in me. That's what I'm here for. I'm here that I could bring everybody into eternal life. All of you believe in me, I will do that for you, he says. When he says that back here, uh, I will by no means cast any out. So anyone who's putting their faith, their trust, depending on Jesus Christ, he says, that's what I'm here for. I'm here 
to give life and that you won't hunger and that you won't thirst. So as you see, Christ calls himself the bread of life. He came from God and he gives eternal and spiritual life. Now, I think there's a couple of different ways we think of this. Often we hear eternal life, spiritual life, and we think of getting into heaven. We think of everlasting life, eternal meaning ongoing. There's more to this than just that. This is the idea of the abundant life, the rich life, the very life of Christ for us. If you go back to the Passover idea, they were saved by the blood that was over that door, right? But then they were told to go in and eat that lamb that was sacrificed. And they were told to eat that bread without leaven because they didn't have time to wait for it to rise, if you remember us. They were to eat so that they would have the strength for the trip. Now, I think a lot of us as Christians, sometimes we do the paint on the door, but we forget that we need Christ, the bread of life, to sustain us every single day. You don't eat a big meal when you're six months old and assume that that's going to give you everything you need for ongoing day-to-day life. The idea here is that Christ is our life every day. Christ is what we need for spiritual life, whether it's being born and given spiritual life or the ongoing spiritual life that we need every day. Does this make sense? A lot of us, if we put it in that picture, it would be like, we painted the door Got the death need, we're saved, let's go. Rather than depending on that provision that God gave for the strength that we need. And then so we go out the door and we're trying to handle our life on our own. And the idea here is, I'm the one who can provide you with true spiritual life. And we need God to be a part of our relationships. We need Jesus to be the Lord of our finances. We need to trust Christ with our health. But all of those things can go to pot, and we can still have abundant, everlasting, overflowing life, even if all that stuff goes to heck. If we're feeding, depending on Christ. So the idea of eating here, because when we talk about those verses, let's, let's read a little bit. Says the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread of life which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How's the thing that he says, I've come down from heaven? So they're they're going, He's saying he's from heaven. We know his mom and dad. We saw him when he was just a baby. We saw him running around when he was four years old. We saw we know where he was born. We've heard the stories about him being born in Bethlehem. We know. And it says, uh, that says, how is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus, therefore, answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard 
and learn from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. I'm not going to go into all the details of that right now. Most assuredly, I'll say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I don't think the context here is whoever believed I existed, whoever believed Jesus was for us, believed that there was a man named Jesus who did miracles, that there was this Jesus person. They believe what he's saying, he who believes in who I am, he who puts his trust in me. And I think we're going to see that here in the context. He who believes in me, so that's an important word. We keep seeing that word believe in everlasting life. I am the bread of life. We just talked about that, right? Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread. Let me make sure I didn't mess up. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now we're starting to move into those verses we looked at the very beginning, right? If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh. So he's saying, I'm going to give an offering here. Here's the bread, my offering, which I shall give for the life of the world. So Christ is saying, whoever eats of this bread is given eternal life. What's the bread? His body, which is being sacrificed to bring life to the world. Is this kind of making some sense? The Jews therefore prayed among themselves, how can this man, which is kind of what we mean when we first read that passage, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will eat him, <laughs> I will raise him up at the last day. I was getting ready to say what I was getting ready to say is he keeps talking about eat the flesh. Like there's no mistaking, he's making a point here, right? It's not like like he did, I just did. Maybe he just confused the word. Maybe he's, he like said it over and over. Like, eat the flesh, eat the flesh, eat the drink the blood. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. For he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. No messing that message up. He wants us to eat his body, drink his blood. And you're like, what does that mean? But there's no messing up the message there. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as to your father, not that your fathers ate, as not the manna which your fathers ate, and they're dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So this eating, this whole eating concept which seems so crazy to us, he's using an analogy. He's drawing, he's making a picture. Obviously, no one there ate him physically. He was making a point. He didn't go, 
cut his throat and say, as soon as I pass, start eating my body. He's, so he's communicating something else. And I think when you look at the big picture of the context, that this eating is a sign of believing or depending on Christ for spiritual life. Just like we depend on food, and we need food for physical life. And the whole idea of you are what you eat, it becomes a very part of you. It's what gives you life every day. And if you're eating donuts every day, it may be enough to keep you alive, but that becomes your life. Your life is, and health is donuts. It's not bad for a short period of time. but And if you just continue to look at that picture, it's depending and needing whatever you're eating so that you have life and can continue on. And the idea here is depending on Jesus Christ. When it talks about eating, it's kind of like, I am believing, accepting, I'm going to I'm buying it. I'll swallow that. I'll, I, I'm ingesting that. I'll take that in. In fact, I'm going to depend on that. And so what he's saying here, if you will depend on me, I will give you spiritual life. He who depends on me, if you just repeated all these words, whoever depends on my sacrifice and depends on my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh, my sacrifice is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He who depends on my flesh and depends on my blood abides in me. And so the idea here, I think, can clearly be shown when you're depending on him for spiritual life. Again, a lot of us depend on him for physical, tangible, everyday things. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to do that. James says every good gift is from the Father above. So all the stuff we have, I thanked God for us having air conditioner today. I believe that was a gift of God, a present, a nice little gracious. He didn't have to do that. We could have crammed in the other room or whatever. But there's nothing wrong with acknowledging those physical things that he does. But it's very clear from this passage. He's making the point over and over and over. I'm more here than just to fix your problems. I'm, more here, I'm, I'm here for more than just providing you a meal, physical meal. I'm here to give you something spiritual, something eternal, something supernatural. And for us, I think that's the message. That we need to depend on Jesus Christ, not only to get us into heaven, but we need to be depending on Jesus Christ for spiritual life every day. How can you have true joy in this messed up world? When people are wronging you, circumstances are difficult, it's 115 degrees, you're broke, you're not feeling well, your relationships are wreck. The only way to do that is by having spiritual life that day. Not just with the hope of heaven, that helps, but going, I have Christ in me. I'm going to depend. I need to feed on Christ, depend on Christ, rely on Christ right now. And I believe that he will give me, provide for me that spiritual life in this moment. Does that make sense? It's not just for the one time eternal life. 
this for the everyday dependence. We didn't just eat one meal one day and never need to eat again. It's the ongoing dependence on Christ that we need to have that eternal, not eternal, that everyday experience of this life. Now, I just add this because I think it's very interesting. A lot of us try. So I've given a very clear message here, and a lot of us try to get this kind of life by like doing stuff, looking hard, figuring it out. But after everything we just read, recap, he healed him, he fed him, he talked to him, he explained to him about it on the left. Do you think, and this is going to be really cool here, they're all just going to go, that's going to be like a really crazy thing to say. Not getting it, and, he, and so he, he kind of just go, We're out. It's not the Billy Graham percent moment, it's just they can turn away. And he asked them, Are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, is it going to be great? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. They're getting it, they're beginning to get. And they're also beginning to get the kind of life that we need is not found anywhere else. That's the message we need to hear. I'm not going anywhere else to life. There isn't life anywhere that can be found. The only way we can have life and experience true life in our living rooms and with our family, the only way to enjoy real life is through Jesus Christ. It's not through getting a new board game or a new video game or uh, a new TV series. Those things might be fun. They might be nice, but they're not providing the true life that we need. Where are we going to go? And so if we're just looking to Christ to meet our day-to-day -day needs, we're missing out on so much more that he wants for us. If we're looking somewhere else for him to provide for us, we're going to miss out completely. It's only through Christ. So what does all this mean for us? We need Christ, don't we? Just as we need to take food in in order to have physical life, 
We need to put our trust in Jesus every day to have spiritual life. We are given spiritual life through Jesus' act of sacrificing his life and body for us. Without the sacrifice of his body, there will be no offering for our sin. That's, we're going to celebrate that here. Remember that in just a few minutes. And these people wanted him to meet their physical needs. They also let them know there's a deeper need you have, spiritual life, and only Jesus Christ can meet that need. If you're just focused on the physical this morning, I ask that you would maybe have, you could keep one foot planted there if you want and keep asking God to meet those needs and fix those problems and give you wisdom in that. But that you would also plant another foot in the realization that he wants to give you life regardless of what happens in those situations. And he can give you life. And also for us to remember our good works, determination, or devotion can't provide us with spiritual life, even day to day. Remember, you said we can't do these things. If we want spiritual life, we need to realize it comes only from Jesus Christ. Nothing in ourselves can provide or produce spiritual life that we desperately need. It's all about Christ. It really is. A lot of these disciples missed it. A lot of them walked away. A lot of them had their bellies full. They got a full belly. And they went away, but they missed the bigger, deeper thing that God wants to provide. And that's what he wants to provide for us. And he makes it available to us if we'll depend and trust in Christ. As we take communion, uh, you know, we remember that it's his sacrifice of his body that gives us spiritual life. The bread and the cup, the body and the blood of Christ, and him giving that up for us is what gives us eternal life. Gives us spiritual life. It's uh, the admission when you take those things in, you're admitting, and it's kind of like a little mini meal, so to speak, that admitting that we are depending on his life. Those are symbols. It's of a bread, but it's kind of like a little mini meal to go, I need Jesus's life in me. The picture of the bread and the cup, I need him to give me spiritual life. It's a way to signify we're depending, kind of the same thing I just said. And it's a way to show that his life has become a part of us. Just like the food we eat day to day becomes a part of us. And it gives us the energy we need and the strength we need to live another day. We are acknowledging we're depending on Christ to give us the strength we need to live spiritually every day. So with that, I'm going to pray one more time. And then Carly's going to play a little, and I'll just let you take the elements when you're ready. If there's anything you feel like you need to get uh, situated or straight in your heart with God, I encourage you to do that. If you've never trusted Christ, you've kind of been like, I think he's good. I, then I want to just ask you now, in your own mind, in your own heart, to make a decision to say, I'm putting my faith and trust in Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, what Jesus did. I'm going to depend on him. I'm putting my hope in him for spiritual life. I need him. Nothing else will provide it. I would encourage you to do that. If you've already done that, I would encourage you to go, I need to depend on him every day this week for the spiritual life that I need ongoingly, the experience of that spiritual life. And then one other thing is I would just... Pray and thank God for Christ, who was delivered up for us so that we could have eternal life. I'm going to pray. 
Father, we come before you. We do thank you for your son. We thank you for the hope and life we have because of him. And as, even as this passage seemed odd and strange as we begin, I thank you that there is a clear message for us. And I ask that we would depend on you and your son the way we depend on food every week. That it would be that strong of a dependence that we would realize that we need, we would feel malnourished if we go a day or two without depending on you, that we would feel spiritually malnourished and we would realize we need to depend on you every single day, that it would be that real to us. We love you. We thank you for loving us first and loving us more. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.